coming to you from the Philadelphia area. This is the Westchester Church Podcast. Check us out at westchestercfc.com. Westchestercfc.com. All right, good morning again, everybody, and happy Mother's Day. I appreciate Eric for, for stepping up this morning singing for us and with us. I'd like to begin this morning in the first chapter of John, John chapter 1. As you're turning there, of course, in John chapter 1, there are a group of priests and Levites who approach John the Baptist out in the Judean wilderness. Now, for a while now, for about 15 minutes or so, everybody's been speaking about John the Baptist. Jerusalem has been set ablaze with his preaching and his baptizing. And so this group of Levites and priests go to him and they ask him, hey, who are you? They're not sure, you know, this, this might be the Christ. A lot of people are speaking. John says, no, I'm not the Christ. And yet, I, I will tell you, though, that there is one who is going to come after me. And he will be far mightier than I will ever be. John says that I'm not even worthy to, to untie his sandal. He says that I... I am baptizing in water, and you are, are um, amazed at this, but he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so in John chapter 1 and verse 29, on the very next day, this is what we read. Or on the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And now we come to the very end of John, in John chapter 19, where we're now reaching almost the, the end of this gospel. In John chapter 19, and beginning of verse 25. There John says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, Jesus said to his mother, Woman, behold, your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Well, whenever we stand at the cross, as we have been doing over these last many weeks, whenever we do this, we see the very worst of the things which come from below, but we also see the very best of the things which come from above. We see this entire world of beauty within itself, as Jesus, the Lamb of God, is scapegoated and, and he sacrificed for the sins of the world, as John said. And as we look at the people standing closest to us there at the foot of the cross, we see that with the exception of just one of the apostles, the only people standing in, in his defense and in support of him at the cross, it's all entirely a group of women. 
Now, in Matthew's gospel, he says that there were many women there who had followed Jesus out of Galilee. These are the women who have been very generous in their money and have been um, making it a possibility for him to go from city to city. They um, were his um, financial supporters, as it was. And yet Matthew also shares, and he includes, that, that as these women followed Jesus out of Galilee, as, as he went to the cross, and, and perhaps even as he was on the cross itself, Matthew says that these women had been ministering to Jesus. And that word ministering, it reminds me so much of Jesus in the wilderness three years earlier. After he had resisted all of Satan's um, um, temptations. You may remember how it says that, that angels came and were ministering to Jesus. And now as Jesus goes into Jerusalem and, and as he dies on the cross, now the angels whom God and, and heaven um, it deploys are the angels of women who minister to Jesus in, um, until the very end. In Luke's account, Luke also mentions that how there were even more women who were there than, than the writers, or rather than the other writers speak of. But regardless of who is um, speaking about the cross in the Gospels, we see in these women just how faithful and how loyal and how um, a present that they were with Jesus. Where it's like, we don't care how anybody else is going to look at us as Jesus dies in this way. We don't care if you will even nail him on this cross and this is how he dies. Regardless, we are with him. Their attitude is, is we stand with Jesus no matter what. And that really says a lot because the men, as we know, had long since betrayed him, had denied him, had, had abandoned him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now with the exception of just one of those men who has now returned, it appears. I mean, the women were the very last ones with Jesus as he died on the cross. And the women were the very first ones to the tomb as he arose and the women were the very first mortal proclaimers who would preach the risen Jesus to the world. And whenever I, I stop and I remember all of this, I mean, it just makes me rejoice for women of God. Whether it was us or it is in the church of today, women just have such a quiet and yet such you know, a powerful presence as they draw near to God. Now on occasion there have been some who have said that they admired me. And I praise God and I give God all the glory for that. And yet you know who I admire? And who I look up to? <laughs> Tracy? Ruth? Maisie? I mean, all of the women in this congregation, I look up to them and I admire them. And I have said it in the past and I say it yet again this morning. It's, it's not that they need to change and become like me, but in so many ways, I need to change and become like them. Because they and, and all the women in this congregation, they remind me so much of the women in the Gospels who remain so faithful and so present with Jesus.
And you know, it's true that the faith that is within me this morning is, has been instilled and sculpted by a godly father and by many other mighty men of God who I've encountered along the way. But like Timothy, my faith is, is also a product of, of a faithful and a loyal mother and a faithful and a loyal grandmother who, who loved Jesus and believed in him long before I ever came along. And I mean, in so many ways, our mothers are worthy of honor. And yet, even as Jesus dies on the cross, notice, I mean, this is what Jesus is doing for his mother. Jesus says, woman, behold your son. Now, we kind of look at that word woman like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, is that any way to speak to your mother? But... No, we need to remember that, yes, Jesus is a man just like us, but, but he's also God in the flesh. And so, you know, occasionally that, that is going to make, make an appearance in his speech sometimes. By the way, I do not recommend anyone greeting their, their mom in that way. You know, you walk up to your mom, hey, woman, come here. You know, my mom is not very tall. She's, she's about five foot one, five foot two. But if I walked up to my mom and said, hey, woman, I'm going to come up missing in action. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so that's not recommended out of us, but we remember Jesus greeting Mary in this way, though, earlier in the Gospel of John. John chapter 2, the, um, a wedding in Cana. Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, they have run out of wine. Jesus says, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. But now at the cross, though, Jesus and Mary both see that his hour has clearly very much come. His hour is now here. Well, in Fiddler on the Roof, there is this moment that is so beautiful. Where the main character, Reb Tevia, and his wife suddenly find themselves growing old. And more to the point, they are at, at um, um, a wedding of their oldest daughter. And they just have this moment where they kind of step back emotionally and, and just ask themselves, I mean, how has it already come to this point? I mean, it seems like just yesterday when we were holding our newborn infant, and it's as if we have just blinked, and now she's walking down the aisle to her husband. And we are giving her away in marriage. And as she approaches her groom, yes, they are very overjoyed in the beauty of that moment, but there's also such an, an aching melancholy to it as well. And, and, you know, there's just something about this that is so fiercely relatable, I imagine, to anybody who's ever given a child away in marriage. Reb Tevia sings to his wife, is this the little girl I carried? Is this a little boy at play? His wife responds in song and says, I don't remember growing older. When did they? Reptevia retorts and he says, when did she get to be such a beauty? When did he grow to be so tall? She says, wasn't it just yesterday when they were so small? And then there's this very hypnotic chorus that is so true to the essence of the Jewish spirit. Where all the people surrounding them in the wedding party begin singing, 
sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset. Swiftly fly the years, one season following another, laden with happiness and with tears. And as Jesus dies in front of Mary, I mean, this is the ultimate sunrise, sunset. Three hours spent on the cross in daylight, just, just hours after the sunrise. And then three hours in the dark, when at noon it looked as if the sun had set, and, and then it was midnight. I wonder if Mary stood at the cross wondering to herself, is this the little boy I carried? Is this the cooing infant I held in the hay? Is this the one that the angel spoke of when he told me not to be afraid? Is this the 12-year-old little boy who we found in the temple, astounding the teachers of Israel? Is this my little boy who made me treasure being a mother in my heart? And perhaps all of the angels in heaven began singing around her, Sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, swiftly fly the years. One season following another, laden with happiness and with tears. I mean, it's as if one moment Elizabeth's womb is leaping for joy at the news of the conception of Jesus. And then it's as if she has blinked her eyes and now all of a sudden he's being brutalized on a cross. And as Jesus dies in the ghastliest way imaginable, it's something that I forget all the time. I don't know about you, but, but I keep reminding myself that, that all of this is unfolding directly in front of his mother. I think a lot of times about Jackie Kennedy. We all have that, that image burned in our brains of, of her sprawling across the back of the motorcade, completely disoriented by, by everything that was happening. We've all seen old um, photographs of the blood on, on her blouse where her husband's head literally exploded right in front of her. And she was heard saying to Secret Service agents, his brains are on my hand. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine the nightmares that that woman had to have had and the post-traumatic stress that that, that had to have given her for the rest of her life. I was reading how one of the Secret Service agents, 50 years after the fact, he was 86 years old at the time, and he shared a story about how the post-traumatic stress of, of having been there directly in front of him as it happened, it, you know, he, how he almost killed himself drinking over it. And he had the quote that, that I will never, ever be able to erase that from out of my mind. And I think so much more that is Mary as she's at the cross. I mean, Mary saw her son beaten and scourged beyond recognition. She saw that crown of thorns in his head. 
She heard every single calculated, vulgar, humiliating insult that was spewed at him by the religious elite. She witnessed every element of the graphic savagery. And I mean, my sweet and gentle mother wouldn't even let an older kid rip, rip a basketball out of my hands when I was little without running up to the gate and yelling at him and defending me. I mean, can you imagine how Mary is feeling? What, what is going through Mary's mind at the cross? Where somehow the, the pangs of, of pregnancy pale in comparison to the pangs of Golgotha. As we know, in Jewish culture, there is a tradition where many times women mourn for an upwards to an entire year. And yet in the moment as she stands at the cross, I imagine that she is feeling like this is going to be a sitting Shiva that's going to last for the remainder of my life. I mean, this is the moment that Simeon spoke of as, he, as his face glowed with the infant Jesus in his hands in the temple. And he's saying, you know, what a wonderful day this is, but then his smile goes away as, as he looks at Mary. And he says, yeah, and also, Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your soul one day. And I mean, this is it. This is the sword that pierces Mary's soul. And I've heard it said many times by many mothers that it doesn't matter how old or how big or how great or how tall they are going to grow or become. In the eyes of a loving mother, that will always, always, always be her baby. And yet, you know, this is what makes this moment between Mary and Jesus as stirring and as poignant as it is. Because Jesus in this moment is dying for the sins of the world as the Son of God. But also in this moment, he is Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. Jesus said that he would remember a criminal being crucified next to him. And yet all the more though, Jesus remembers his mother in this moment. And so, yes, it is crucifixion day for us, but, but it is also Mother's Day for him and Mary. He looks down at his mother and, and he knows, my mother is worthy of so much honor. She is worthy of only the absolute best. Whether we um, are going to do so in memory of our mothers, or we are lucky enough to still pick up a phone and, and call our mothers or, or actually sit down with them and to do so, our mothers are worthy of, of so much honor and, and only the absolute best. And so Jesus says, woman, behold your son, but then he also looks at one of his disciples, the only one who is at the cross. And what Jesus says then is, is behold, your son. And it is in this spot right here where Jesus says this, where, where we see that Jesus wasn't speaking of himself as he says, woman, behold your son. But he's actually referring to, we believe it is at least the apostle John. 
Yes, even the exact same John who had irritated Jesus, the exact same John who had shown his immaturity again and again, nonetheless, Jesus says, John, from now on, this beloved mother of mine is to be as your beloved mother. And he says to Mary that from now on, this beloved friend of mine now is to be a beloved son to you. That where you go, she will go. And where you lodge, she will lodge. My people will be your people, and your people will be my people. And it's at least believed that somewhere along the line in the past 20, 25 years, Joseph has since died, leaving Mary a widow now. And as Mary's firstborn son It was in Jewish custom that it was Jesus' responsibility to see that his mother would be cared for. And yet regardless if a Jewish mother was, was alive or she had departed, it was so important that God made it a fifth commandment to honor your father and to honor your mother. And this is what Jesus is doing. And just let me say that being the mother of the Son of God hasn't exactly been easy for Mary, has it? When she conceived Jesus, she was a teenage peasant who was showing up in town pregnant and out of wedlock. This is something that sight on scene was something that could brand a woman for life as an evildoer, as a person who had committed grievous sins. I mean, it's something that almost got her actually divorced before the marriage had even been consummated. I mean, it even could have gotten her executed if if the right people had the right conversations. Being Jesus' mother meant uprooting from her parents and from her friends and from everything she ever knew in order to live as a refugee in Egypt. And now at the cross, no matter how much good she would go on and do in the world. And no matter how beautiful her heart was, there would still be certain people who would look at her no matter what and say, oh, there she goes. And they would whisper about her. And they would point at her and say, oh, that's her right there. Yeah. Her son was the one who was crucified as a criminal. She was the mother of that lunatic who they nailed to a cross. Can you believe that? And yet, even knowing that she would be seen as a fornicator and as an evildoer upon her pregnancy, though, what her response was to the angel in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, it begins with this exact same word Jesus uses on the cross, where Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And now Jesus uses this exact same word anew and he says, Behold your son and behold your mother. As the Lamb of God, behold, is lifted up on the cross. And you know, it just really, it begs the question, why would Jesus choose John of all people to be as a guardian for Mary? I mean, why would Jesus not entrust that to his other brothers in his family? 
Well, we may remember how on at least one occasion, after, after multitudes of people gave up following Jesus in John chapter 6, we read in John chapter 7 how even his own brothers did not believe that he was who he said he was. We're reminded earlier on as, as Jesus calls his disciples to himself and, and they begin going out, how his own relatives try to um, grab Jesus and, and to more or less hide him away in the basement saying, yeah, he's crazy. He's, he's out of his mind. And so we see that as Jesus says, behold, your mother, Jesus has a lot more in mind than just simply three meals a day and, and a roof over his mother's head. Or rather, Jesus wants to honor his mother spiritually. And so he chooses one of his own followers who, who has been a part of his inner circle. And that's because he wants Mary spiritually nurtured more than anything else. And so John writes that, that from that very hour, Mary enters into a new home, into the home of John. Mary is welcomed with loving embrace into a brand new family where she remains until the day that she died. And last of all, this morning, I just want to remind you and I want to remind me. And I want us to rejoice that, that we too have entered into a brand new family. It is a spiritual family. It is, it is a heavenly family. That we have been baptized into his name and we have been added to the body and to the family and into the church of Jesus Christ. We have now become new creations who have been given a new name as, as a daughter of God, son of God, follower of Jesus Christ. And as we come into the church and as we look to each other, we are also now known by, by other brand new names such as brother and such as sister. And because now we are living for the things above and, and I'm a Sermon on the Mount, as we look to anybody and everybody in this world, no matter if they are churched or if they're unchurched, we see them and we know them by yet another new name and that is the word and the name neighbor. So I want to close this morning in Mark chapter 3 as we consider this brand new family that we have been welcomed into with loving embrace. And Mark chapter 3, of course, is very early on in the ministry of Jesus. And we read in Mark chapter 3 in, in verse 31 that, that his mother and his brothers came and they were standing outside and so they had sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around Jesus, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And so Jesus answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, Jesus said, Here are my mother, and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother." And he is my sister, or rather she is my sister, and she is my mother. Or in so many other words, and they are members of my family now. And just as King David welcomed the crippled man, Mephibosheth, to sit at the king's table as one of his own sons for the rest of his life, 
So you and so I have been welcomed with loving embrace to sit at the table of salvation as the sons and the daughters and as the people of Jesus for the rest of our lives. And in the book of Acts, we see the very last glimpse of Mary that we are ever given. We're just days after the risen Jesus had ascended to the right hand of God in heaven we find the eleven once again are still in the upper room. They're doing the most important thing that they could have been doing in that season of their lives. And they, we're told, are devoting themselves to prayer. But it says how they're praying along with Mary and with the women. And now all of a sudden things begin to change. And, and where, you know, it's, it's as if somebody had blinked. And just like that, the church of Jesus Christ is then established and 3,000 plus are, are being baptized into Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves into the hearts of men. And now all of a sudden, so many of these black and white question marks are now becoming um, technicolor exclamation points. And now all of a sudden, in the mind of Mary, now, I mean, this... Um, Sitting Shiva is not exactly going to be quite as long as I anticipated. You see, this is what happens for anybody who, who comes into the family of God. And so to all of the mothers this morning, I just want to say we love you, we honor you, and we treasure you. And all of our sisters who are not mothers, I just want to let you know that, that we love you and that we honor and that we treasure you. And all of our widows, I especially want to say this morning, we love you, we honor you, and we treasure you.